0: Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, big potential vulnerability in AMD chips. Fallout from the whole X rebranding continues. Now TikTok is cloning Twitter. The Arc browser is now available for anyone to try out. And if you think Elon likes to have his hand in a lot of pies, a look at the increasing and increasingly ambitious portfolio of Sam Altman related companies. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. It's been a while since we've had one of these, but this sounds pretty serious. A Google researcher has found a vulnerability in AMD's Zen 2 chips, which potentially gives access to secure information like encryption keys. AMD expects most patches will not come until Q4, quoting Tom's Hardware. The Zen bleed vulnerability spans the entire Zen 2 product stack, including AMD's EPIC data center processors and the Ryzen 3000, 4000, 5000 line of CPUs, allowing the theft of protected information from the CPU, such as encryption keys and user logins. The attack does not require physical access to the computer or server and can even be executed via JavaScript on a web page. AMD didn't have an advisory ready at the time of publication, but the company did add the AMD SB7008 Bulletin several hours later. AMD has patches ready for its Epic 7002 Rome processors now but it will not patch its consumer Zen 2 Ryzen 3000, 4000, and some 5000 series chips until November and December of this year. AMD's processors used in the PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and Steam Deck are all also powered by Zen 2 chips, but it remains unclear if those are impacted. We're following up for more details. We have added details further below about mitigation schedules. AMD hasn't given specific details of any performance impacts, but did issue the following statement to Tom's hardware. Any performance impact will vary depending on workload and system configuration. AMD is not aware of any known exploit of the described vulnerability outside the research environment, end quote. Continued fallout from the switch from Twitter to X. Lots of reporting and various drips and drabs suggest that this was probably Elon's plan from day one, quoting Bloomberg. Elon Musk on Monday explained his decision to strip Twitter of its famous Bluebird logo as a move to remake the business into a broad platform for communications and financial transactions, a target he's described as the everything app. This is not simply a company renaming itself, but doing the same thing, Musk said about the apparently spontaneous move over the weekend to crowdsource a logo from fans and adopt it as Twitter's new insignia. The Twitter name made sense when it was just 140 character messages going back and forth like birds tweeting. He, well, I guess, X'd, end quote. The billionaire owners envisioned X app, which will connect Twitter's underlying infrastructure with X.com, a web address that now functions as a routing service to Twitter, is one that layers communication, multimedia, and, quote, the ability to conduct your entire financial world, end quote. Musk has talked about modeling X on WeChat, the Tencent Holdings super app used by the majority of Chinese for everything from payments to messaging, along with online financial services such as consumer loans. It's unclear what the billionaire intends for X specifically or when the changes may be implemented, end quote. Again, lots of other fiddly details around all this, like the fact that Meta might actually control the trademark rights to X and then also the actual X being used as a logo right now is apparently Unicode, which would suggest it can't be trademarked. I don't know. Look, Elon has suggested that everything is X now. As I just mentioned, if I talk about a story on here and I want to mention that someone said something about it online, I guess I'm supposed to now say so-and-so X'd to say XYZ instead of saying so-and-so tweeted to say XYZ. Got to be honest, though, folks, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that. It's been annoying to call Google Alphabet all these years, but at least Google still exists as a brand. And Meta instead of Facebook, I mean, even if they abandoned the metaverse stuff at some point, it still makes sense as a name change. Facebook is a declining asset for the company. So, you know, to call the whole company Facebook increasingly made less sense for everyone involved. But when your brand becomes a verb that most people use to describe a thing that you do, that's so powerful. I feel like in the same way that Elon seemingly can't do anything to force us all to quit, even if he's trying to, he's gonna probably find there's no way people are gonna stop calling them tweets. I don't know, man. If I had secured the domain name x.com in 1998, I'd think that was pretty cool, at least for a while, but 25 years on. Unless this is all just an elaborate way to set up the joke of releasing another round of Twitter files so he can call them the x-files now, I don't know, even that joke would not have been a great joke back in 1998. From the Twitter competition angle question mark, TikTok has rolled out support for text posts available via the app's camera page, which now allows users to add sounds, locations, stickers, and more to text. Quoting TechCrunch, Although TikTok started off as a platform for short-form video, it later added support for images in an attempt to take on Instagram. It's now adding text posts, likely to take on Twitter, now X, and Meta's threads as users look for a new place to post text-based content. TikTok says the new content option will allow creators to share their stories, poems, lyrics, and other written content on the platform, giving them another way to express themselves. Now when you open the app's camera page, you'll be able to choose from three options, photo, video, and text. Once you select the text option, you'll be taken to the text creation page where you can type out the content of your post. Then you can customize your context by adding sounds, tagging a location, enabling comments, and allowing duets. TikTok says text posts will be just as interactive and dynamic as any video or photo post. You can add stickers to your text post along with tags and hashtags. There's also the option to choose from a variety of background colors. Similar to video or photo posts, you can save your drafts and store them with other unpublished posts for later editing or discard them entirely. Although some people were Unsure about TikTok's decision to start supporting images last year, it's now seen as an integral part of the app. It's possible that we may see the same happen with text posts, especially since some users already post text-based content on TikTok in the form of a video or image. TikTok's new feature simply makes it easier and more intuitive to add text-based content to the platform, end quote. Possible afternoon project for me... The Arc Browser, that new web browser from buzzy startup, The Browser Company, is now available for anyone to download by going to arc.net. No waitlist anymore. Quoting The Verge, We've covered Arc a lot in recent months, both because it's a good browser and because it's a big new idea about how you use the internet. The browser company's ultimate plan is to build, quote, the operating system for the internet, Arc isn't just a place to see web pages. It has tools for taking notes, making visual and collaborative easels with others, redesigning web pages to your liking, and more. Personally, I love Arc's picture in picture mode above everything else, especially now that it works with Google Meet calls. Arc 1.0 doesn't seem to come with any splashy new features. Rather, the browser company seems to just feel like it's ready to launch more widely. Arc has been pretty stable for me in recent months, though it does run into some of the same performance issues you'll find with any browser based on the Chromium engine. You can always open a couple dozen tabs and watch your computer grind to a halt. There's still plenty for the browser company team to do, of course. The Arc iOS app feels like more of a companion app than a full browser, for one. And there's still no Arc for Windows, though that's apparently coming this year. The company is also thinking about how to integrate AI into the browser, and the team has spent the last few months focused on reining in some of those performance issues, trying to make Arc both fun and fast. Personally, Arc has been my default browser for the last year or so, and I've had no reason to think about switching. It won't be for everybody. Its way of thinking about tabs and bookmarks is pretty different from Chrome and Safari, and its whole structure and aesthetic takes some getting used to. But the app has caught on with a lot of tech and design folks in recent months, and now, you don't have to take my word for it anymore, you can just try it for yourself, end quote. Given the recent price hikes, it's probably worth noting that Spotify reported really strong user and subscriber numbers when it kicked off tech earnings season this morning. Seeing the numbers, you can see why Spotify felt confident they could nudge prices up a bit, but also keep listening and you'll hear why they wanted to, quoting The Verge. Spotify had 220 million premium subscribers and 551 million monthly active users as of June 30th, the company announced today in its latest earnings report. That represents a 27 and 17% increase respectively compared to the same period last year and is above its Outlook release last quarter. But while listener numbers were up, Spotify reports that it's making less revenue on average from each of them. In today's release, Spotify says its average revenue per user currently sits at €4.27, or around $4.72, a 6% decline year-on-year and a slight fall compared to last quarter. Spotify's Initial earnings release contains no mention of its long-delayed Hi-Fi streaming option. The company announced the product over two years ago and said it would bring CD-quality lossless streams to the service. Recently, Bloomberg reported that lossless streaming might be included as part of a more expensive subscription-tier codenamed Soup Premium, which could initially release to non-U.S. markets later this year. A survey sent to at least one user last year suggested the company was considering charging $19.99 a month for a new streaming tier dubbed Platinum, which would include Hi-Fi along with other features. End quote. limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code RIDEHOME. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled dot com slash men and enter promo code RIDEHOME. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Finally today, I keep joking about WorldCoin being OpenAI CEO Sam Altman's side hustle, but what I was only vaguely aware of is that the man actually has several, and none of them are small stakes endeavors, quoting the Financial Times. The launch of the eye-scanning cryptocurrency project WorldCoin Is the latest in a string of advances at companies backed or led by Altman. This includes OpenAI's release of ChatGPT in November last year and the announcement this month that Oklo, a nuclear fission startup chaired by Altman, is to go public in a deal valuing the company at $850 million. Altman has also invested in Retro Biosciences, a startup aiming to lengthen human life, and Neuralink, a business co founded by Elon Musk that is developing a computer that can be implanted into the brain. These are independent parts of a specific vision of the future which I believe in, said Altman in an interview with the Financial Times. But they're all doing their own things and they all work independently, end quote. Collectively, Altman's projects could reshape society and their success would place him at the heart of a powerful network of companies. Those efforts have shot the 38-year-old to global prominence while also putting him on a collision course with regulators. Altman insisted he had no intention of, quote, disintermediating governments, but suggested the public sector had a, quote, lack of will to lead innovation. People ask me periodically, don't you think this should be done by the government? Isn't it horrible that you are doing this as a private tech company, he said? Why don't you ask the government why they aren't doing these things? Isn't that the horrible part, end quote? Brandishing part of a Concord he keeps in his office, Altman said, government capacity for innovation had ebbed since the UK and France collaborated to create the supersonic plane, and the US launched the Apollo space missions. In a well-functioning society, governments would be doing the AGI project and nuclear fusion and a whole bunch of things, and yet they're not. So we either sit around and watch the gradual decline of state capacity and say, that's a bummer, and we're just not going to have any more technical progress, or you do the next best thing and just build great companies, he said, end quote. More on that nuclear fission company. A note that I said fission, not fusion, though, well, wait for it. Quoting CNBC, Oklo, an advanced nuclear fission microreactor startup, announced on Tuesday that it is going public via a merger with Alt-C Acquisition Corp., a special-purpose acquisition company co-founded by OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, who is also the chairman of Oklo's board. The SPAC will close by early 2024, Ocklo co-founder Jake DeWitt told CNBC in a video interview on Friday, and will raise as much as $500 million for the company. The capital that Ocklo raises by going public will go towards ramping up its supply chain and procurement processes and building a pilot-scale production facility for its reactor, which it calls Aurora. Altman, best known for his work with artificial intelligence after Microsoft invested billions of dollars in OpenAI and the company's ChatGPT chatbot caught the public's imagination late last year, But Altman's philosophical vision for a better future is dependent on two technologies developing in parallel, AI and energy. My whole view of the world is the future can be radically better, and the two things that we really need for that are to lower the cost of energy and lower the cost of intelligence. And if we get those, we'll be quite surprised about how different and how much better the future is, Altman told CNBC in a phone conversation on Friday. The two prongs of the future Altman envisions are connected. If the use of artificial intelligence scales up in the way Altman sees, it will demand a lot, a lot of energy, he told CNBC. Altman met the co-founders of Ocklo back in 2013 and recruited them to join Y Combinator, the Silicon Valley startup shop where Altman was president from 2014 to 2019. Caroline Cochran and Jacob DeWitt, the co-founders of Ocklo, joined Y Combinator in 2014 and Altman went on to lead Ocklo's seed round in 2015 and become chairman of the board. I'm all in on energy. I think there's urgent demand for tons and tons of cheap, safe, clean energy at scale, Altman told CNBC. In particular, Altman believes nuclear energy is necessary to meet demand while moving away from burning fossil fuels, which cause global warming. I don't see a way for us to get there without nuclear. I mean, maybe we could get there with just solar and storage, Altman told CNBC. But from my vantage point, I feel like this is the most likely and the best way to get there. End quote. Aklo is working to commercialize nuclear fission, which is the reaction that powers all of existing nuclear power plants, but using smaller reactors. He's also invested $375 million into Helion, which is one of a burgeoning industry of startups working to prove out and commercialize nuclear fusion, which is the way the sun generates energy and creates no long-lived nuclear waste, but has never been replicated and scaled on Earth. Altman says fusion, if it can be commercialized as helium envisions, and Ocklo, with its smaller, cheaper nuclear reactors, can coexist. The need for clean, cheap energy is so vast that having multiple sources of reliable, clean nuclear energy is a good thing, Altman says. Also, because oklo reactors are going to be much smaller than helium power plants, they will likely serve different kinds of customers. Fundamentally, the world is just so energy-limited, and it's such an energy deficit, we need all of it, Altman told CNBC. Oklo was founded in 2013 with the vision of reimagining commercial nuclear energy. Conventional nuclear reactors are expensive construction projects that take a long time. The Vodal plant in Georgia are the latest of this kind of conventional nuclear reactor to be constructed in the U.S., and its budget and schedule overruns have become infamous. Oklo plans to make much smaller nuclear reactors that can operate with fresh or recycled fuel for as long as a decade before they need to be refueled. Oclo power reactors will produce consistent levels of energy as opposed to the intermittent sources of power generated by wind and solar, and Oklo is positioning itself to be a source of power for data centers, utilities, defense facilities, remote communities, factories, and industrial sites. Also, Oklo plans to operate the reactors itself and sell the power to customers, making it easier for customers to use nuclear energy without having to take on the responsibility of operating a nuclear reactor. Oclo is still in the relatively early stages. In May, Ocklo signed an agreement with the Southern Ohio Diversification Initiative to deploy two commercial plants in Southern Ohio, and it's aiming to have them online by 2030. Oclo also has received approvals from the U.S. Department of Energy to build a plant at the Idaho National Laboratory by 2027. For that reactor, Ocklo has already gotten approval from INL, to use some of its spent nuclear fuel. The company has also begun the process of applying for necessary approvals to construct a fuel recycling facility so that Ocklo can put what would otherwise be considered used fuel into its advanced reactor design, end quote. One more real quick podcast recommendation for you, this one featuring me. This month, the podcast Business Books and Company had me on their pod to talk about my book, How the Internet Happened from Netscape to the iPhone. They had some very smart questions. So if you want a deep dive into how the dot com era does or doesn't rhyme with this era, check out your podcast app for business books and company. Search their latest episode featuring me. Cool concept for a podcast. Talk to you tomorrow.